gotta have gut hope. It's gotta get better. It's gonna get better. You've got this. This is the Gut Hope Podcast. Gotta have gut hope. Gut hope. Hope. Inspiration. And healing. It can happen. Hello and welcome back to the Gut Hope Podcast. I'm Steve Collings. I'm joined today by my new friend, Dr. Jeffrey Moss. How are you today, sir? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time on the podcast, and I'm so grateful that you made some time to do this. I want to give the listeners a little bit of a background on why I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, Two big reasons. One is obviously the supplements that my son took to be healed of ulcerative colitis came from Moss Nutrition. And the second thing that just really impressed me is I called up Moss Nutrition oh about three months ago and I I was looking for a compound that involved melatonin. So this is just for me. This wasn't for anything else going on. And I got a call back from Dr. Moss in about five minutes after I had called and um, wanted to know everything that I was doing and we ended up spending like 45 minutes talking and he's asking me all these questions like did I fall as a child from a tree or anything like this like was doing a full medical workup on me um, just when I had asked a simple question about melatonin and it just really impressed me how much you care about people and every time we've talked I've always had that impression so I'm so glad to have you on with us today Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Well, looking at your bio on your website, I found it interesting you have these whole careers to me, being a dentist, a clinical nutritional specialist. I'm just, I want to know a little bit about your medical background. What led you now where you're owning uh, a supplement business, Moss Nutrition? Um, Well, uh, yeah, it has been an interesting uh, journey. uh, No question about it. I started out in dentistry. And uh, I was educated at the University of Michigan Dental School, graduated in 1974. In those days, it was a pretty conventional by-the-book education. And I started out as a pretty conventional by-the-book dentist and doing uh, the usual restorative work that dentists do. Uh, But I evolved over probably about a three, four, five-year period of time in my practice uh, getting involved uh, addressing uh, chronic pain patients, specifically whereas PMJ patients, temporomandibular joint patients. And I was doing what they taught me in school, but I really wasn't getting the results I had was promised <laughs> in school <laughs> okay. and what I'd hoped to bring to the patients. And I really felt um, something was missing. So I started taking uh, courses in 79 in alternative medicine for dentistry. And a whole world was opened up to me, uh, specifically the world of musculoskeletal mechanics, as dentists were kind of taught that um, 
the head and neck are kind of these stable mechanical devices and uh, really didn't look at the physiology, uh, particularly muscular physiology. And I started learning about muscle physiology uh, through studying with very brilliant chiropractors, applied kinesiologists, but also started learning about the importance of uh, clinical nutrition, not only eating right, uh, but the use of interventive uh, nutrition, specifically how supplements could be used beyond just for prevention, but how they could be used uh, as adjuncts uh, to addressing uh, uh, chronic issues. And uh, I was very excited about that, started incorporating into my practice, and now getting into the 80s, uh, and I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I really anticipated practicing as an alternative medicine dentist, emphasizing prevention, uh, alternative medicine, integrative medicine, and fortunately, um, Grand Rapids, Michigan, in those days, really, I don't think was ready for a dentist uh, uh, with that type of uh, aspirations. Uh, more specifically, um, uh, people liked uh, the fact that I was talking to them, giving nutritional advice, but when it came, to, came time to pay the bill, pretty much what they wanted was metal in their mouth. They really didn't want to pay for advice, and so I was at a crossroads, and now getting into 85. Wow. And... Um, I uh, had an opportunity to become a salesperson for the uh, uh, supplement company whose products I was using in my practice at the time, and uh, sounded like fun, something new, something different. Yeah. I really uh, did not want to spend the rest of my working career as a conventional dentist, so I sold my practice. Uh, the opportunity was out east, so I moved out east uh, uh, to Massachusetts and got involved in the nutrition industry. Uh, specifically the professional supplement industry, and it's gone from there. Wow, that's a cooler story than I imagined. <laughs> that's pretty pretty awesome. So you got into Moss Nutrition, started a business, and it seems like you've got your whole family involved in what you're doing now. Is that right? Yes. Uh, as I, I started out as a salesperson for this other company and I, that lasted for about uh, about seven years from 85 to 92 and it was time to leave we had some philosophical differences uh, uh, concerning uh, marketing ethics hmm. and uh, I felt uh, it was time to leave and uh, I started my own company uh, selling other people's products a distributor right and uh, very early on after uh, uh, we incorporated in 1992 uh, brought my wife in, Joanne, who really handled the day-to-day -day business aspects of it, the financial aspects of it. In those days, of course, pre-internet, uh, pre-social media, uh, we sold, uh, I had to get out there and sell the products, and you did it the old-fashioned way. You got in your car and went knocking on doors wow. uh, throughout the Northeast United States. So while I was on the road four or five days a week, uh, and some many days, many times on weekends, she was in there running the office and taking care of finances, taking orders, etc. And it started slow, but uh, as I said, it it it, uh, it uh, we we worked at it and, and built it up over the years. And she was really very instrumental. Uh, most recently, uh, my daughter, who graduated from uh, UMass uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, we uh, uh, found a uh, she had great talent, and I thought we. We, we agreed that uh, the three of us actually agreed, my wife, 
my daughter uh, and I all agreed that she'd make a great contribution. So now she's uh, working in the office, uh, talking to customers, taking calls, and really uh, she has great expertise in terms of software development. So beyond just working with customers, she's doing a lot in terms of improving our uh, our website, uh, our uh, uh, personnel management capabilities. So you're right, it is a very much a family business. I think that's awesome and, and really, I think I've talked with your daughter when I called up and she's just super kind to me also, which I appreciated. Um, when you were out traveling around, you were probably mostly just visiting a lot of functional medicine practitioners, is that right? Yeah, it was a real joy. Uh, dentistry, you're kind of in just sitting in an office all day, and uh, it was kind of like freedom. I was traveling throughout the Northeast, visiting New York, the big city, uh, visiting, talking to really fascinating, cutting-edge, uh, uh, really innovative practitioners, functional medicine practitioners are really doing amazing work. Uh, with uh, people who had been kind of written off. Uh, there's nothing we can do for you. And they were doing uh, really amazing cutting edge work to really uh, improve the health of uh, some people, some desperate people. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was very exciting. I bet. And I, I imagine you got to hear a lot of different requests, like I'm looking for this, I'm, I'm, I'm having success with this. Probably a very well-rounded education to be able to rub shoulders with so many successful oh, it people. Was. Yeah, that's Yeah, awesome. it really was learning what they were doing uh, in terms of patient management, patient care, uh, uh, some of the really inventive, innovative ideas they'd come up with and how to use nutrition, alternative medicine. I learned a lot about uh, assessing patients, using laboratory testing, taking history, etc. So yeah, it was very much a, a great learning experience. Yeah, I'm jealous. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> one thing that I'd like you to kind of clear up that I don't think I was really super clear on my previous podcast where I talk about Moss Nutrition a little bit um, is that all of the supplements that somebody orders needs to be co come from a practitioner and have a referral to you. You can't just call up Moss Nutrition and say, hey, I want some supplements, right? Right. Could you talk um, about that a little bit so that everyone's sort of clear on that? Sure. Uh, the niche of the supplement industry I got involved with, uh, the professional supplement industry, and it's been around for several decades. As I mentioned, I started out selling other people's, other professional company, supplement companies' products, and then we just started developing our own line in 2009, and that's really all we sell now is our own product line, the Moss Nutrition line. Uh -huh. um, and the idea is that uh, the stakes are a little higher uh, at this level. The, the vast majority of the supplement industry, uh, particularly the retail market, is designed either for prevention, uh, uh, performance enhancement, but it's basically designed for reasonably healthy people to keep them healthy or, uh, as I mentioned, enhance performance. Uh -huh. It's really uh, the, the primary goal of the most of the supplement industry is not being used as an adjunct to help uh, help people feel better, to help people with sometimes difficult chronic illnesses. So uh, when you're in the professional market, when you're dealing with these people, there's a lot of things to consider. 
Many of them are on pharmaceuticals. Uh, very often uh, there are compromises in digestion. Diets are often compromised. And so with the retail market, very often the biggest concern is, will it do anything? Uh, generally speaking, uh, and this is the selling point, it's natural. At worst, it'll do nothing. <laughs> right. And that's a big selling point is, quote, they're benign. Yeah. Well, when you're dealing with, and that's probably more good marketing than it is good science, but particularly when you're dealing with sick people who are already compromised, the idea that it does nothing as being the worst possible outcome is not true. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing with products like ours, particularly our line, which we emphasize the most bioactive, bioavailable uh, constituents, whether they be uh, nutritionally based, herbally based, um, there's a lot that can go wrong. Can you make somebody uh, sicker? You absolutely can. Uh, the reality, uh, most people, chronically ill people these days are on one or more medications. They're on one or more supplements. And uh, sometimes the, the possible combinations of interactions, which have never been researched, there's barely research on herbal interactions with one drug. Right. Nutritionalized with one drug. If you have somebody who's on five, six drugs, probably the ways that they can interact exponential. Probably the millions or billions. Nobody knows. Right. And so um, we feel strongly that given the these uh, these unknowns, that uh, the products must be used by competent practitioners who are going to do a thorough assessment about medications that they're taking understanding physiology and biochemistry of the patient and of the supplements themselves so that they can be used uh, safely and minimize the risk of uh, uh, side effects. And even with that, do they happen? Yes, they do. It's Sometimes it's difficult to predict, right. but we, when that does happen, it's important that the individual, the patient, is in the hands of a competent practitioner who can say, oh, yes, here is what happened. Here is how we're going to adjust. Here is who we're going to plan B. Here is where we're going to assure the patient uh, that your reaction is temporary. Uh, there's no reason to panic, uh, that we know what to do if there is uh, an interaction. So that's the reason we are very, very, um, uh, we really strictly, enforce we're very adamant uh, about the fact that uh, our products are, are going to be uh, available through healthcare practitioners uh, so they can not only maximize outcome I mean, professional supplements use good ingredients and they're not cheap compared to the retail market and we we, we acknowledge that and we respect right. the patient's pocketbook and we want good outcomes but we want to minimize the risk of uh, uh, adverse outcomes, side effects. That's why we do what we do, and we're very adamant about it. I, I love that, and it makes a lot of sense because as we're looking for solutions as patients and trying to find something that may or may not help us, we often are finding these answers on the Internet, and then we say, oh, I just need this supplement. I'm going to try this supplement. And a lot of times I think people are going – to their local drugstore or whatever and probably grabbing the cheapest thing they can off the shelf you know because we we don't know the difference 
right? <laughs> we look at, we look at three different bottles of probiotics and they all seem to look the same on the back and have the same things. Um, what sets Moss Nutrition apart from those that you might just find at a typical drugstore? Well, you bring up a good point. There is, I guess, what's the, the catch word these days about everything is misinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how does the unsuspecting public sort it all out? Right. Uh, I think... Like a lot of industries, as I alluded to before, in the supplement industry, very often the uh, uh, the marketing is uh, better than the science, and uh, it's 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 a great concern. Uh, I, I I try to put myself in the place of someone who doesn't feel good. They've tried numerous options. They've gone to the internet. They've mm-hmm. gone to their MD. And they spent a lot of money, a lot of pills or whatever, and it's not working. They're tired. They're frustrated. They're angry. They're desperate. And I try to put myself uh, uh, in that in that place. And so um, we are brutally frank about our products. That's one of the things we heavily emphasize education. Yeah. Not only of the practitioners. I spend a lot of time researching and educating, uh, writing for practitioners. But uh, as you alluded, uh, we are not only glad to do it, we are eager to do that Who anybody for anybody who wants to be educated. It's not just the practitioners, but the patients. Uh, I, uh, we, we really are very eager to take the time and talk to people and really let them know uh, find out about them, understand them, so we can make the best possible recommendation, which may often be not our products or not even any supplements. Uh, I have a small practice, and I see patients on a very limited basis, or don't see them anymore. Most everything is done by phone. Yeah. Uh, but um, very often... Um, I wish I got more people who never took a supplement or eating crappy diets. They're easy because <laughs> almost anything you do works. Most of the people I get, they're taking handfuls of supplements, the best supplements. Yeah. They're eating good diets, and they're still not getting results. So very often I learn about them and say, um, uh, you, you, what you need can't be found in a bottle. Uh, you need to basically... Uh, uh, get some help in terms of maybe uh, 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 therapy, meditation, uh, uh, really looking at your everyday, what you do every day uh, is your real issue. So I have no qualms about saying that our products are not right for you. And here's what I think you do need. Right. Uh, Uh, So that's what really, I think what makes us different. I think we have some of the, I don't think anybody makes a better product than we make. Uh, in terms of it's a lot of things we don't make, but in terms of uh, competitive products, uh, I think there's a lot of products uh, that are just as good. There's some excellent professional products out there, and I'll stand our similar products to theirs in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but so, but I think where we really stand out is um, education, informing as best as we can the public, 
and the practitioners how to best use our products, how to best assess the patients. I teach assessment, how to read a laboratory test, how you can determine what is the best product for the patient uh, to help them get well and what to avoid so they don't get worse. That's, That's what great. makes us different, in my opinion. Well, um, I only have my small testimony that my son was healed with your product, and so I would never refer anyone to go down to CVS and buy anything. So <laughs> um, I, I would definitely say they were effective for him, and you definitely have a great product. You can feel it. I know this sounds corny, but you can feel it in your hand when you get it you know, the bottle, like this isn't cheap. This is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and let me just say one other thing about that. You know, I, I don't, I realize it's a generalization, yeah. but it's, it's appropriate. You get what you pay for. It, right. it really is true in the supplement and industry. Uh, you think, I know there is the, the, the conception that the most expensive product is basically paying for the owner's second Porsche. <laughs> well, and maybe it is with some companies. It's not with ours. Uh, they're just in, the ingredients are very often inherently expensive. We feel we have a reasonable profit margin. But you're getting what you pay for, and generally speaking, what you're being charged with the legitimate professional companies, certainly with ours, uh, is based... Uh, on what it costs uh, to make the product, buy the constituents, employ people who can serve you properly, and so that I can educate myself and take the time to talk to you to make sure that you're getting the best value for your money. That's absolutely. Where the, that's with the increased cost. That's what you're buying. That's absolutely right. So one thing that you were talking about that that I think you are very knowledgeable about from our conversation is these lifestyle changes that may be necessary and I find that fascinating you've got somebody buying your supplements and at some point you're you're kind of recognizing hey there's there's not a supplement you can take that's going to help you and I know a lot of your supplements are focused on gut health or yeah. rebuilding muscle mass I just wonder if you could talk about some of these lifestyle changes that you see are pretty common I know this is a generalization but people with gut issues those are the people listening typically to my podcast what would you advise them with lifestyle changes or things that they should be looking at that they might be able to adjust sure yeah I, I think like every human pursuit uh, there are things that for sometimes purely political reasons monetary reasons or just chance get the attention of the professionals in whatever field mm -hmm. and attention of the public. And there are certain things that just, for whatever reason, fall through the cracks that just are not politically correct, not financially expedient. Um, and when it came to health care, I really started, and particularly we were developing our own line, uh, I'm a real bibliophile. I like reading research. I'm always interested in when somebody's not getting well, what do we miss? Mm -hmm. They're doing everything, quote, unquote, that the media says they should do, that the experts said they should do, yet they didn't get well. What did we miss? And uh, when it came to the field of nutrition or alternative medicine, uh, I really saw uh, three areas that were underappreciated or misunderstood terms of underappreciated uh, muscle. 
muscle physiology, not muscle as a mechanical device to get you from here to here to there or to run a race, but in terms of muscle physiology and its impact on every other human function. Uh, that uh, one of the biggest epidemics in our society as we age, due to very often age, poor diet, lack of exercise, is loss of muscle mass. Yeah. And uh, when I won't go into all the chemistry and physiology, but there is a ton of research that shows this loss of muscle mass. The $2 term is called sarcopenia. Uh, that when you start losing muscle for any of these reasons, uh, in fact, there's some fascinating research now that is looking at loss of muscle mass with COVID. And wow. that could this be an underappreciated issue with all of the, we've heard about the long COVID, these unexplained symptoms, uh -huh. uh, loss of you know, energy, fatigue, uh, could loss of muscle mass uh, be a part of the picture, vastly underappreciated. You haven't seen that in the media, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but the papers are there. I'm just reading them now. And there, there's, yeah. again, so many other papers relating to chronic illness that talk about loss of muscle mass. So I really made this a major issue in our product development over the years and more importantly in our educational efforts for both professionals and the public to educate them about the about not just muscle as a mechanical device, but muscle physiology. It's called the musculoskeletal system for a reason. We all learned that. We took our classes in biochemistry <laughs> or physiology 101. Well, that got forgotten. Everybody talks about the skeleton and osteoporosis. Well, bones go where muscles take them. If you don't have muscle, you're not going to grow bone. Uh, simple uh, physiology 101 we learned the first year, but we didn't take to practice. So we heavily emphasize muscle. The other area that's probably under misunderstood, as you alluded to, is gut function. Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk more about that. I think misunderstood. Uh, it's an epidemic problem, and uh, it's one thing to talk about someone who has gut symptoms. That's important. Uh, how to assess it and address it, I think under misunderstood, underappreciated. What's even more underappreciated is the important uh, role of the gut in, in 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 systemic health in every every other aspect of function. Uh, uh, what we learn in functional medicine, which is really not appreciated, uh, I think, outside of the functional medicine world, is that poor gut function can, uh, can affect things as diverse as migraine headaches, as uh, uh, psoriasis, allergies, etc., etc. Numerous issues can be affected by poor gut health, hormonal imbalances. Uh, all, a lot of research has indicated these systemic indications. The third thing that I think is grossly misunderstood and ignored is something that um, it, it's when you think about it, it's common sense. The old saying, "Common sense ain't too common." Uh, the importance of water and uh, the other side of the water coin, which is what are known as electrolytes, minerals, particularly uh, key minerals, potassium, magnesium, sodium, chloride, and calcium. Those are the five electrolytes. Okay. And uh, the proper balance. People tend to get too much sodium. We've all heard about that, but the other side of that coin is not enough potassium. Uh, for whatever reason, potassium as a mineral has fallen through the medical and nutritional cracks. You'll rarely find a professional lecture addressing the issue of potassium. So that was really our first product, and that's something uh, fluid and electrolytes, water and mineral metabolism 
has been a major focus in our business since we were in, uh, we our, we were started our line in, in 2009, and uh, um, uh, educating uh, practitioners uh, about the importance uh, of assessing this, and really bringing to their attention the massive amount of research that just sits in libraries and gather, medical libraries and gathers dust. So this is a g good example of this, where you hear something like this, oh, potassium might be something I should look at. Maybe I should go start taking potassium pills, just because they heard you mention it here. Um, how would someone really know whether that's the right thing for them to go do? Sure. Obviously talking with a practitioner, but why would you even suspect that that might be something you would bring up with them? Um, the first thing, and this is a generalization, uh -huh. but uh, that um, we all, many people have heard about magnesium and muscle function, muscle cramps, that type of thing. Well, yes. potassium, magnesium doesn't work without potassium. Potassium doesn't work without magnesium. So any type of muscle problem uh, would certainly create suspicion of a need for potassium. Uh, fortunately, serum potassium is routine on the on just a routine blood chemistry. So uh, certainly you can look at that. Uh, the medical range is anywhere from 3.5 to 5.5. Uh, from a functional medicine, nutritional standpoint, health optimizing standpoint, we tend to get a little worried anytime it's below 4.5. Okay. Uh, gets into the threes, we're suspicious. Doesn't mean you should start taking potassium necessarily, but we get suspicious there is a need. Okay. Third thing you can look at is just go on the computer and add up your diet and see how much potassium is in it. Uh, the RDI for potassium is quite high, uh, which people don't understand. It's about four and a half grams a day. That's a lot of potassium. Uh, the average American, according to the research I've seen, uh, latest studies I've seen in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, the average American is doing about three grams a day, so about two-thirds of the RDI. So it's a very much underappreciated deficiency situation that is, is, is quite epidemic. So those are the things to look at, but should you just go out and start taking massive doses of <laughs> potassium? Uh, no. <laughs> no, uh, I was a qualified no. A qualified uh, no, okay. A qualified no, and the reason I say that if you're not taking any medications and uh, you don't have any re kidney problems, yeah, you say, all right, I'm taking three grams. I should add another three grams or so. Okay. However, uh, that's sometimes that population may be in the minority. Many, many medications, particularly blood pressure medications, are designed uh, to alter uh, electrolyte metabolism, particularly potassium metabolism. Uh, and many people have compromised kidney function. Mm -hmm. Under those circumstances, no, you should not. If you're taking medications, if you have compromised kidney functions, you need to consult with a knowledgeable professional before you start taking potassium. So you can get yourself into trouble. Too much of anything, as the old saying goes, uh, even wa too much water will kill you. Right. So just because uh, uh, you're a little deficient doesn't mean you start loading up on something. Too, too much is, is as bad as too little. So it's, you have to respect it. So, yes, if people are listening to this, don't just start loading up on potassium. Uh, talk to a knowledgeable pra pra practitioner first. Great. Um, 
Let me ask you another question we haven't sure. talked about much, and I think it falls under the lifestyle category that you know quite a bit about is, is just what our diets do for us and how they can, the nutrition aspect of dealing with gut-related issues. What have you seen and found over the years of looking at this? Uh, again, very much underappreciated uh, that I've seen from most uh, practitioners who specialize in gut function. Um, there's still, I see um, in many circles, uh, a belief that diet has little to do with gut health, yeah. despite a, a large amount of research suggesting otherwise. And uh, I know it's popular for people to say, research shows, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic. And so when I, I'm at a lecture, I'd say research shows, but I don't want to bore you with the research. And my say, please bore me. <laughs> Show me your references. And I look them up. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, again, a little skepticism uh, in healthcare never hurt anybody. And so, uh, um, yes, there's a, a large body of research that suggests that diet is not the ultimate. It's not a panacea, but it's part of the issue. Uh, in terms of specifically what it is, um, I know there's a lot of people who get into complex food combining types of regimens, um, and I guess they have a place for some people, but um, I like to keep things simple. Um, I'm old school. And uh, if people are looking for a sound bite, number one, don't eat junk food. Junk food will screw up your gut. Uh, maybe not the first cookie, but eventually enough cookies long enough will screw up your gut. And that's just the way it is. Uh, so what, and what do I mean by junk food? I usually tell people, and of course there are exceptions, uh, anything in a bag, box, or can. Uh, <laughs> you want a good quality whole foods diet. That's number one. But when it comes to gut problems, quality is not the only thing. Uh, very often... There's an intimate connection between the gut and the brain. And so one of the things I have to do with gut patients beyond just the quality of the diet is what I call eating behaviors. And yes, there's research on this, that uh, many people eat too fast. They're eating on the run. They're eating standing up. They're eating in the car. Uh, they're watching the news. That's hard enough under any circumstance. But for many people, you really don't want to be watching the news on your computer uh, while you're eating, particularly if you've got a gut problem. Uh, people eat unconsciously. They're just gulping it down. A great recipe for gut problems. So I educate them. Uh, be very conscious. Turn off the television. Turn off the cell phone. Take a deep breath. Put on some nice music or whatever. Your good quality diet. And slow down. That's number two. Number three, we're learning more about, and this comes under the general category now, which is getting a lot of uh, research credibility, is what is intermittent fasting. Uh, people eat too often, and there's some very interesting research now on the impact of eating too often, whatever you're eating. I won't get into all the physiology here, uh, but uh, if uh, we have a grazing population, and when it comes to gut problems, just from a simplistic standpoint, you got to give it a rest. If you're grazing all day, 
Uh, let's see, we have breakfast, and then I have the coffee and the donut, and then I have a little bit of lunch, and then at noon I have a candy bar, and then I have dinner, and after dinner the popcorn and the ice cream. They're eating uh, most of the day. They're grazing. Going to the movies, they're always eating. They're sometimes five, six, seven times a day. And uh, this is a recipe based on intermittent fasting research of a lot of systemic problems certainly can have an adverse effect on uh, gut function. So those are the three things that I really look at from a dietary standpoint. Wow. And none of those involve taking supplements at all. It's all lifestyle changes. Um, I, when you're talking to someone, I know... Well, supplements sounds... have their place, but that's <laughs> I where I begin. Right. And and I think the very first one that you mentioned is probably the hardest one, don't eat junk. And how do you approach that with people who've had a lifetime of doing this? I've got a neighbor right now that... I I know that's his problem. <laughs> I mean, it's sometimes it's obvious we can look at other people's problems and go, okay, you got to stop this. How do you, as a doctor, with the limited amount of time, convince someone to, or how has it worked for you in the past where someone's caught the vision and goes, yeah, I've got to change this part. I mean, I could see intermittent fasting. Somebody could jump on that. But I think stopping uh, uh, that's junk food diet and going with a more whole food diet is a huge change for most of us. It really depends on the individual. Yeah. But generally speaking, it's a combination of tough love, brutal <laughs> honesty, and showing that I care. And uh, uh, let's work together. And uh, it's not about deprivation. Uh, it's about basically making changes. And uh, depending on the individual, some people are ready. Yeah, I'm ready to make wholesale changes. And other people, it has to be little baby steps. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I try to do is find out where the person is at, take the time. Look, I, I understand there's more to food than just biochemistry. Yeah. Social aspects, religious aspects, emotional aspects, Physi uh, philosophical aspects. I'm, I'm well aware there's more to food than just biochemistry. Right. And I'm willing to help people make the changes needed in a way that is um, practical from a cost and lifestyle uh, perspective as possible. When I tell you're going to have to reduce your junk food, I'm well aware that um, to tell tell mom that she can never have a piece of birthday cake with her daughter again, that's just cruel. <laughs> and I've heard that, and I, that's just cruel. Yeah. And so it's I tell people, it's what you do most of the time that matters. This is not a matter of uh, uh, being uh, the school marm here. Uh, to, I, I'm not here to punish you. So that's what I try to – we're going to work together. But I also – I'm not afraid to use some tough love. Uh, if I get too many yes buts, I just say, look uh, – <laughs> Yes, this is going to be hard, and you're going to have to decide on your priorities. And whatever you decide, you're not going to bother. You won't hurt me. I won't be mad at you. <laughs> and if you tell me, um, look, if I can't have my cookies, life's not worth living. All right, well, that's okay. I respect that. And I've had people tell me that. Right. Uh, I've had patients uh, who... Um, uh, had problems and uh, they were responding well to the diet uh, but told me that 
I, I just can't continue eating this way. And, uh, well, all right, we'll, we'll try going back to what you were doing. And they did it, and they came back to me and said, yeah, I don't feel as well now. <laughs> and I said, well, then you know what to do. But I don't want to stop. And I just yeah. very nicely said, I, I have a good life. I can't help you. So mm -hmm. and ultimately, you ha every individual has to decide what's most important to them. Uh, is there whatever their pain or chief complaint is, or is it the immediate satisfaction? And I understand that. Uh, there's certainly, it, it can have an addictive quality. The marketing behind and the socialization behind refined foods and fast foods is, high, is massive. It's compelling. And they're better marketers than I'll ever be. Right. Uh, but in the end, I, I uh, have to decide. Uh, yes, I understand. Uh, you got every every Saturday night is pizza night with your buddies, and I respect that. And if that's and if you say that's most important, I I, I I have no arguments with that. That's incredibly important. But it may be inconsistent with your chief complaint. And since that's why you came to me uh, to get rid of your chief complaint, here's in my opinion how you need to do it. If you're saying pizza night is more important, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm not upset. I don't blame you, but I can't help you. That's how I approach it. Yeah, that's some great advice, and I hope that uh, reaches out, touches some listeners, and motivates them to make the changes that uh, lead them to what they really want. If, if it's health, then they then they have to make these changes, right? Yeah, and it doesn't have. It's one little step at a time. You don't have to do deprivation. It's not right. about hardship dieting. It's right. about making little changes. And if people are willing to do that, just one step at a time, you will get better. It'll take time. You will have to make some changes in your life. Uh, yeah, you can't go out and get drunk every Saturday night. Uh, that's probably inconsistent with your getting your chief complaint better. But if you're willing to compromise on that, uh, we can help you. All right, I want to ask you another question about finding a good functional medicine doctor or somebody that could help you. If somebody's been listening to this going, I, I really want to find somebody that I could sit down like Dr. Moss and, and, and say, you know, do I need potassium <laughs> or whatever, sure. you know, whatever they're dealing with. What, what advice would you give somebody um, because there's so many options out there and it's hard to trust people. I mean, that was a big thing that I struggled with. Like, who do I put my money behind not knowing uh, what I'm going to get? How would you suggest the average person out there f research and find a good functional medicine practitioner? I wish I had a good sound bite. No, I wish you did too. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of functional medicine practitioners out there, and um, I'm very disturbed by the all-too-often practice that functional medicine uh, means giving, uh, doing lots of lab tests and giving uh, bags of pills, and that's happening all too often. I find it very disturbing. Uh, one of the most uh, I would say challenging aspects of being part of the functional medicine community is that it is kind of becoming uh, medicine for the rich. That it's basically uh, the way it's practiced. Only the uh, the urban, the rich urban upper middle class person in uh, in the New York tri-state uh, tri <laughs> area uh, can basically afford functional medicine. 
Uh, and that's all too often uh, what I've seen. And there are certainly some very good functional medicine practitioners, but how do you know in advance? Well, um, it shouldn't cost thousands of dollars up front. Okay. Why? Because a lot of this, I hopefully, people who are listening to this, hopefully part of you is saying, Moss is just talking about common sense. Right. Um, you know, I used to get in my, I, I taught at University of Bridgeport Nutrition for about close to 20 years. In my classes, after I'm done giving six hours of just complex biochemistry, I'd end up and I'd say, what I've just given you is the biochemistry of grandma's advice, moderation, variety, and common sense. Uh, so just before, before you're looking for a practitioner who has magic pills or whatever, and the pills are good, uh, just uh, do some reasonable examination, you go on the online, and start doing this yourself. You don't need a doctor to tell you to stop eating junk food. Right. You right. You, 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 you know. Uh, you know. You 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 don't need a doctor to tell you to drink more water. You don't need a doctor to tell you, you need to eat slower. You need to rest. You need to meditate. You need to exercise. Start there first. And then if you're not getting where you want to go, and I can tell you uh, from experience that if you're really committed to just what I said, give it a couple of months and really do it. Uh, I can't say that everything will go away, but will you feel better? Even 1% will you feel better than the when you started out two months before? Odds are you will. Right, probably so that's more where than... I tell people to begin. Yeah, probably more uh, than 1%. Right, and when you do start looking for practitioners after you've done all that, because you feel better, you're already doing a lot of the basics. The supplements will be less. The time will be less. Uh, it'll be a lot more cost effective. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could give an easy answer to that. Okay. But I'm sorry. I've just heard too many, um, I guess, horror stories. I'll be straight about people have just spent thousands of dollars. And I, I don't mean to be disparaging the functional medicine community. There are a great many wonderful practitioners, and I know them. But uh, unless, how would someone who knows nothing about it, where do you go on the Internet to find one who's going to really emphasize cost-effective lifestyle before massive amounts of lab tests and, and pills? I, I don't have an answer. Okay. Well, I, I guess uh, talking to other people and seeing their success and i guess if yeah. someone's in the in working with a practitioner right now who is doing that it might be a good idea for them to look elsewhere possibly you know like i don't know yeah um there, like i said there's a lot of good functional medicine practitioners and there's organizations yeah. the institute for functional medicine uh, who've been uh, they have a website where you can find functional medicine practitioners, but will you find one that is emphasizing cost-effective, practical lifestyle changes before getting into high-tech medicine, high-tech labs, high-tech, uh, lots of expensive supplements? Uh, before, um, you won't know till you get in, and you're already in, and you're already spending the money. Right. 
Well, you alluded to something here when you were talking about this, about how we can just make small changes in our life and have something better. Like the opposite of that is true where we've allowed things to get into our life where we don't rest, where we're hurrying, where we're eating a lot of junk. And, and, and I think that compounds over time and we become complacent with that, right? We just say, well, this is the way my body is. This is the way I think. This is how I feel. And one thing that surprised me with so many people is they start healing the gut, as you were saying before, all these other things start changing. Oh, my skin's exactly feeling right. better. I'm sleeping better. Um, my brain fog's gone. All these great aspects of the change. But a lot, I, I see a lot of people that just have a lot of things going on and they don't know what it is and can't recognize and put their finger on it. They're just sort of in a health rut, if you will. And so how do you as a doctor, obviously kind of like me, you see them come through the door, you could be like, I can obviously see what your problem is. <laughs> but sure. uh, again, how, how do you move people out of complacency and especially with related to gut health? Well, when it comes to gut health, uh, again, this is an area that's grossly misunderstood, uh, underappreciated, uh, a lot of what I consider uh, questionable information. They're already doing all the things that I talked about. You know, I was just now talking about what most people can do to feel better most of the time. But there are a lot of people out there who've done everything I've just described and they're mm -hmm. still really ailing. And many of them uh, have gut problems. And um, they have really done their best to turn to people who will um, give reliable information, reliable advice. And uh, in my opinion, a lot of them are not following uh, the most cutting edge research on what causes gut problems. Um, in fact, uh, it's very popular. Uh, I've heard many, more than one patient tell me that they've heard from knowledgeable healthcare, uh, well, I won't say knowledge may be a bad word, uh, knowledgeable uh, practitioners involved uh, with healthcare say that diet has nothing to do with gut health. And uh, the research, of course, is exactly in the other direction. Right. The area that's massively underappreciated uh, is we have bacteria that live in our gut, and gosh, probably thousands of studies now on the gut microflora and gut health. And so the best practitioners right now, and we get the people who've done everything I just mentioned, they're really doing their best. They've changed their diets. They've tried supplementation. They really are trying hard and just not getting results. We have to follow the, the what the research says. And number one, probably the biggest single issue is understanding uh, the gut microflora. And so more and more we're employing uh, uh, stool analysis and mm -hmm. uh, stool analysis that are based on DNA technology is the one that I personally favor. And uh, people I work with, my little circle of people, practitioners I work with, uh, favor using DNA-based uh, stool analysis and uh, to really understand the true nature of uh, microflora imbalances. 
Also, we get information about these stool analyses, about uh, food sensitivities, the presence of inflammation. Once I get all, we get all that information, of course, we start out with the basics. Uh, many times the diet does need some fine-tuning, and we'll do that most of the time. They're eating a quality diet, but they're eating too fast. They're eating too much. They focused on quality, but not on the other issues, so we start out there. Then we go into other phases, which may employ some digestive aids. Uh, older people lose a, a, a digestive enzyme capacity in particular, or uh, due to medications, they've lost some digestive capacity. Then based on our findings uh, from history taking and the stool analysis, may move on to some type of antimicrobial type of herbal preparations uh, that will, if we find some type of dysbiotic organism, quote unquote, I don't like the term parasite, I don't like the term, but an, an organism that's not supposed to be there. There you go. Uh, where, where do we see that very often? We have someone who uh, uh, basically travels to India, uh, uh, picking up a lot of these exotic pathogens. We do see that in world travelers. And so using different types of antimicrobial preparations, then moving on to maybe gut repair types of products, uh, probiotic type preparations. Uh, and it's a whole, uh, a, a, it's done in stages, different phases that uh, usually at two month phases of different preparations. We see how the patient responds. Sometimes we have to fine tune the preparations. This one didn't work, so we go to this one. Uh, they got an upset stomach from the first supplement we tried. Oh, well, that didn't work, so we'll try this. And over six months to a year, usually, assuming they're maintaining good quality lifestyle uh, changes that we talked about, along with supplementation, we can really get significant improvements in health. At that point, uh, once they reach a certain level of stability, uh, I know the diet can be very stringent, then we'll do what is known as mainstreaming, get to more of a maintenance diet where they can have their comfort foods once in a while. Uh huh. And that's the that's the usual course of treatment. So you were talking about there for a minute about how there's so much literature out there. It's it's very time consuming, and I I imagine a lot of people that are trying to find their own solutions are looking and reading. I've tried to read these scientific papers. It's hard. It's hard for someone without a you know a it is. doctorate level understanding of what's going on. But you can you know, focus and really piece through a lot of stuff. But I, I imagine it's very difficult even for anyone to absorb the constant amount of new information that's being supplied. And I think that's a challenge for the doctors, but I wonder if there's a point where they just, well, now I'm a doctor and I don't, I don't need to read these anymore <laughs> or something. You told me a funny story about uh, a guy in a wheelbarrow. Do you remember that story? Yes, I do. Would you mind sharing uh, that? Glad to. Well, first right. of all, let me comment on your right. previous comment. <laughs> I understand. Uh, I don't have the time, blah, blah. I understand all that. Yeah. Um, I've, if, look, if you don't want to take the time to stay up on the latest research, okay, I respect that. Then don't say you're an expert. Hmm. And at least tell the truth. No, I'm not up on the latest research. I don't know uh, all of the latest developments in uh, patient care, which includes lifestyle, which includes supplementation, and even pharmaceuticals. I'm not against drugs. They have their place. Uh, but very often, uh, they're overused or misused. 
trying to find solutions where lifestyle supplementation may be the best option. And many times using a combination of lifestyle uh, supplements and pharmaceuticals is the best way to go. And if you basically, uh, no, I don't know anything about supplements and diet, just admit it. Right. Instead of saying, uh, I don't believe in that. Right. Or it won't do uh, anything. <laughs> or it won't. Or basically saying, "Oh, that's all. That's all quackery." Right. Uh, all right. It's, you say it's quackery. Show me your research. That's all quackery, right. and we'll compare research. And that leads me to the, stu- the story you asked me about. <laughs> uh, a biochemist chiropractor uh, pr- friend I know, and uh, in his building was another. It was a medical practitioner. And uh, they got into it uh, over coenzyme Q10 supplements. And this medical practitioner said, ah, oh, it's all quackery. There's no evidence to support it. And so uh, you have to know this, bio- this, this guy, the, the practitioner, the, the chiropractor biochemist. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> so this is before the Internet. He goes to the medical library and finds every study he can find on coenzyme Q10. Now, this is before the Internet. He's copying them all. He spent hours in the library copying every study. It fills up an entire wheelbarrow. So he takes the wheelbarrow full of studies, walks into the medical practitioner's office at 12 noon. The waiting room is full of patients and dumps them all in the middle of the waiting room and walks out. Wow. Yeah, and uh, uh, the uh, he he got a call from the medical practitioner. Uh, you made your point. <laughs> Perfect. If you I'm... don't know, just oh, admit it. If you don't want to read go. it, just say I don't want to read it. Don't pass judgment on something you know nothing about. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I our time is just about up, but I want to ask you one last question, if I sure. could, and then give you some time if you would like to add anything to our conversation. And this is kind of a tough question, but I feel like our ideal would be to be off of all medication and off of all supplements if we could. That would be the ideal situation that we're just getting the nutrition we need. Sure. And uh, I find a lot of people saying, I'm feeling good as long as I take this. I'm feeling good as long as I've got this supplement or this medication. And I just wonder what your thoughts on are on that. Like, should we keep seeking and going well, then you're just not quite there, or should we say, that's great, keep going with that? I wonder how you feel about that. That really uh, is, uh, you know, this, the old saying, no generalization is worth a damn, including this one. Uh, <laughs> the, um, and uh, it really is highly individual, and we have to look at the reality of the world that we live in, and uh, it's a dirty world. We all know that. We have unavoidable stressors that we're exposed to, uh, not only just chemical toxins, metal toxins, we're not going to stop using our cell phones, we're not going to stop using our computers, we're not going to stop driving, and life happens. Yeah. Uh, life can be stressful, uh, despite the best that we do. The be- uh, uh, life happens, people get sick. We lose relatives, we get into, we make mistakes in terms of the wrong job, the wrong marriage. Life happens and we do the best we can. But the point is, is that these are all stressors. 
that take a toll, particularly as we age. And uh, also, we have certain preferences uh, that um, it's important to some people to have, uh, you know, a Tuesday night pizza night with their friends. Right. And that is the metabolic impact of getting together with your friends is sometimes is and there's there's a re, there's a reset. This isn't all just uh, you know right. This isn't all just uh, 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 what am I saying? Uh, Eastern philosophy, voodoo, you know, uh, quackery. <laughs> there's there's good uh, uh, Western medicine science to support what I'm saying. That the impact of a positive experience, a relationship, the physiologic impact, may be as powerful or more powerful than any supplement or any diet. Wow. And so all that has to be kept in mind. So there's always going to be a need for supplementation, given the realities of the life we live, and the need for optimal diets, or to do, striving for an optimal diet. And yes, for some people, medication will be the best choice. Uh, do we want people on supplements for the rest of their life? Want people on pharmaceuticals for the rest of their lives? Of course not. And that's where I always emphasize to the practitioner we work with and the patients, you need periodic evaluation. And when I work with patients, my goal is to get them off all the supplements. Hmm. But recognizing that from a practical standpoint, it may not uh, be the best decision uh, because nobody wants to live in a glass bubble. Right. And... Uh, uh, if it's important to some of you to go out for Tuesday night pizza night and they have to take a couple of supplements to compensate for that, so be it. So it, uh, uh, it's really hard to generalize on that. It's a good goal, but the realities of our world, it's not the end of the world uh, if you have a well-managed program that includes supplements, good diet, and sometimes pharmaceuticals. That is a great answer. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Just uh, thank you so much uh, for this uh, time to uh, really um, uh, providing a platform for, I think, uh, an area of healthcare, uh, this functional medicine approach to healthcare that really has been vastly underappreciated and vastly underexposed. So thank you very much for allowing me to this forum. Well, thank you so much. This has been a delight. I, you know, you and I could talk for hours, so I appreciate you taking the time, and it's been a real pleasure for me. I end all of my podcasts by asking the guest if one question, do you have gut hope? Oh yes, I've had my gut problems, who hasn't? And uh, I've gone through very much of what uh, the frustration in the blind alleys that many people have gone through. And uh, I'm much better now uh, because of the learning that I've done in very much the areas that I've discussed and practicing what I preach. And so, yes, uh, if you're willing to make the changes and have the mental discipline to do it, uh, there's hardly anybody who won't be improved uh, with this type of approach. So, yes, I have got hope. Thank you so much. And until our next episode, keep having hope, inspiration, and healing.